This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. I would like to congratulate Jake um, as he only has two weeks until he is out this piece. Out this piece. Out this piece, yo. Get ready because we're going to take another 10 days off. (laughs) That's right. We'll be off uh, from the 23rd until the first week of December because I will be sunning my whale ass on the beach in Hawaii. Whale ass. Uh, Yeah, you know. Wow. uh, I'm beautiful nude. Uh, The point is... That was awkward. You should subscribe to this channel because we're giving away this Xbox Series S and all 100 of 20 of its frame weights per second. Okay. Okay. Uh, All you have to do is subscribe (laughs) to this channel. Just hit subscribe. Take a photo that you're subscribed. Do it now. You slimy. Anyway. um, Okay. And then uh, tag us on Twitter, Instagram. Or TikTok and and um, and stuff stuff with the photo and um, okay tag me the Monty Show M O N T Y the Monty Show and douche raggery over there. Jake is SLC Supercars. <laughs> I'll stop talking like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, I got a lot of sleep last night. Really? Yeah, I did. I actually went to bed very early. Okay. Um, which is uncharacteristic for me. Usually, um. You know, especially when I am crabby, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I am, I was crabby. Admittedly, I have like 51 spam messages in my box right now. Um, you don't want spam in your box, ladies. <laughs> uh, but my point is, um, I was crabby when I went to bed last night, and I don't really have a reason for that. You just were. I just was. And I, I, I don't know why. Okay, but you slept good. I did sleep well. The Bulls won, so, you know, I feel like that's always a pacifier for me going to bed. Right. Um, you know, when the Bulls dominate and, um, you know, the, you, you just, uh, you just you know. So right. I got six and a half hours of sleep last night, which is. <laughs> okay, wow. That's a, a lot of sleep For there, me, kid. I'm usually banging like five, five and a half hours. And, you know, I'll be in bed for like six hours. No, I was asleep. I was out. I woke up at two o'clock to to uh, have my my nightly visit with nighttime pee guy, <laughs> and then I went right back to sleep. But last night was one of those weird nights where my wife had me like an inch of of bed space left for me and Marge, who is my body pillow. Oh, um, I named my body pillow Marge. But you know how like when you're 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 you cuddle. and it's like, honey, it's very cold. <laughs> Let's cuddle. And you're like on the edge of the California King mattress. Bet you weren't expecting this one. No, that was a little sus. Um, and so that was like my thing. I woke up at two o'clock. So like you were on the edge of the bed. Yes, I was holding on to Marge for dear life. And Mrs. Monty was behind you, or like she was laying like in the middle of the bed. No, she was right behind me. Yeah, like she had her entire side of the mattress wide open. Well, nice, you know, like clean pasture. Did she go there? No. Of course she did. <laughs> so anyway, she okay. doesn't. She's sitting like right here on the Peloton. Doesn't even know we're talking. Has about no it. idea. She probably does, but yeah. whatever. Uh, let's talk a little. Um, jazz coming up here in a minute. I, 
if you're listening to the show now, start thinking about the untouchables on this roster and start thinking about where the Jazz need to improve and who you're willing to give up to do that. Because uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute as there is a point guard name being linked to the Jazz. Um, but I'll tell you why they're not going to trade for that guy and who that guy is and why they would like to but probably won't be able. Anyway, the point is we'll it's talk tough. Jazz coming up in a minute. But I uh, want to start with BYU in this big wow, conversation. Wow. Yeah, the, wow. uh, this big <laughs> conversation about uh, BYU in a New Year's Six Bowl, which is fascinating to me because – We've had a lot of talks about this exact conversation. And yesterday on the show, it appears that we kind of lit the world on fire with the idea that, oh, you're Mormon? You don't have to be nice when you have on football pads in Saturday afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Um, there tends to be this belief that because it's BYU, sportsmanship comes above all. Well, actually, it doesn't. When you've been dreaming of a New Year's Six Bowl in a seat at the table – for Lord knows how long, and now you finally have that opportunity, and now you want to be nice and show sportsmanship and play the seven-string guy. I totally disagree with this. And I know we talked about this quite a bit on the show yesterday. We ran a Twitter poll uh, for the last five hours of yesterday, and I'm amazed to see. I am, I am amazed to see that more BYU fans would rather play sportsmanship than actually going to a New Year's Six Bowl. And by sportsmanship, I mean not scoring 70 points against Idaho State. You know, hey, let's not – I had one person on Twitter last night say, don't play a single starter against Georgia State. Let's rest everybody and get a look at our fourth and fifth string running backs. And I'm just asking, and maybe, Jake, I'm confused. Right. Why do you lift all those weights? Right. Do you do you, do you really not do you really not understand how close you are to everything that you have been complaining about for a decade in independence? You are here right now with the ability to control what you can control, which is pound Georgia Southern into the like core of the earth. Score 70 points. And I'll drop that motherfucker. And then go win the game at USC and put yourself in a very good opportunity to get a New Year's Six Bowl. All of that is ahead of you. And yet you don't want to play starters and you want to take it easy. And we want to be nice and friendly and stuff. We'll be friends. Instead of achieving all of the goals that we set forth 10 years ago when we started independence. Yeah, I want to remind people, you know, where the conversation used to be with BYU because I think part of this conversation is I, I think BYU fan has simply just forgotten what the conversation around this program used to be. Like, you know, as much as, you know, the pass got brought up when Bronco came to Lavelle, you know, in the Virginia game, I feel like people have forgotten where this team once was, which is – Hey, the conversation, I can, we've been doing this show for, what, six years now? Something like that? Like five, six years now? I, I can remember in, in the early, early stages of this show, us having conversations about the fact that BYU was just happy to get six wins. BYU was just happy to get to a bowl game, much less a New Year's Six bowl game, much less a sniff, a, a blip on the radar of the college football playoff, right? So I feel like BYU fan right now 
has somehow forgotten about that or, for, or forgotten just how, how long and winding and, and just tiresome the road has been to get here. So for me, I understand that you know, you know, the, the LDS community, the Mormon community is about serving, you know, others and, and taking care of your neighbor and, you know, and, and that whole dynamic. But to me, I just, I, I'm just really surprised by this. Frankly, I'm shocked that, that on the football field, right on the football field, you still want to be nice to people. We're not, what, we're not suiting up to, to be nice to people that like, like that, I guess maybe, Maybe the true difference here, and I would love to hear people in the comments, you know, answer this question. Maybe the true difference is, is that, you know, folks who grew up in Utah in the LDS faith and are BYU fans are like, hey, the, the faith comes first. Like, like the way we operate as humans comes first and whether we win or not does not matter. But then those same people cannot complain or criticize Bronco five years ago or Kalani now for not being relevant, let's say, or for not getting to the bowl. You but can't I, have I, it both ways. Right, but I also feel like BYU fan has gotten comfortable. Yeah. You know, the 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 victim card has been taken away from BYU fan. You can no longer be TDS. You can no longer be, you know, just that other program that plays football because that's what Little brother. Do, right? Like, that's not who BYU is anymore. BYU, without a doubt, look at all this controversy over the, you know, the name, image, and likeness stuff that's going on. And and this idiot basketball father at Utah trying to, like, get BYU in trouble. And BYU is dominating recruiting in this state right now. BYU is dominating the football story. And Utah is on the verge of a Rose Bowl bid. And BYU is dominating the football talk in this town. Yeah. If you look at where BYU is, they're about to join the best basketball conference in the country. They're about to join the Big 12. You've finally beaten Utah. And now as a BYU fan, you take your foot off the gas. And now as a BYU fan, you've gotten comfortable. We don't need a New Year's Six birth. You don't? Are, are you serious? Let me read you. Some of the Twitter comments, uh, uh, from, and this is this is simply shocking to me. Um, I, when I read things like uh, "Conference of the Twelve says on Twitter, I actually think we needed to start the backups to get prepped for next year. You're already talking about next year. You're just blowing off a New Year's Six bull bid. Why is that? Are you kidding me? Do you know what has been sacrificed and what has been given to get BYU football to where they are? Do you understand what Tom Homo has done to get BYU football into the Big 12? Do you understand the sacrifice, the work, the blood, the sweat, the tears of the last decade of independence to get you to the doorstep of a New Year's Six Bowl and now you don't even want it. And I don't understand it. Yeah. It is shocking to me. Why don't you want it? I mean, I, I think it's really important. I mean, you know, obviously we read a lot of comments on this show every single day. But I, I would love to hear from people. Why don't you want it? What is the what is the the mental block? I mean, we see this all the time in the world. Like, you know, we're, we're in, you know, sales. It's no secret, right? So, like, you know. A lot of times, you know, I hear from people, oh, well, you know, 
I wow, this crazy thing just happened. I had this amazing day, you know, and and I don't think I deserve that. I think I got lucky. And it's almost kind of like that same mentality with BYU fan. It's almost as if you think that that because you can't get into the college football playoff that a New Year's Six Bowl doesn't even matter. That 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 being that being you know, top 12 and really ideally after you beat USC, assuming you beat USC, being a top 10 team in the nation, you know, like that doesn't matter. And my question is, okay, if that doesn't matter, what exactly are you playing for? What exactly is the point of going to all the games? What, I mean, are, so you're just playing football games to have fun? Is that, is that what we're saying? In the BYU community, when, when, when you played Utah and you beat Utah, was was that did was this thought in your head? Oh well, you know, we're just gonna play our second stringers because you know this game doesn't matter. No, you wanted to beat Utah, so it's personal against Utah. But when we're talking about a New Year's Six bowl and success for the program on, in the big picture, you don't really care about that, and that's what's kind of surprising to me. Because if you can get to a New Year's Six bowl this year, that's gonna bring an influx of money. That's going to bring even more exposure. Like, I mean, that just brings all these good things yeah. to the program. But think about what a New Year's Six Bowl means, just revenue-wise, millions of dollars. Think about what a New Year's Six Bowl means recruiting-wise. You, 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 you can't even put into words the leverage that an independent breaking through the barrier, getting to a New Year's Six Bowl, what that leverage would mean for the long-term recruiting power that BYU would wrestle away from Utah, from the ability to flip recruits, the ability to be able to walk into any living room. You're, you're having conversations right now with kids that are contemplating Alabama, Florida, and BYU as a football decision. Now, you get to a New Year's Six Bowl, you're on national television, a captive audience. You've got 60,000 BYU fans in a stadium on national TV. You have achieved things that people said you'd never be able to achieve as an independent. And you just want to throw that away. You're like, nah, let's be, you know, let's play depth. Oh, man, it was really good to see Jackson McChesney it wasn't really good to see him. And everybody's like, well, injuries. Injuries happen. It's football. Well, what if you gave the ball to Jackson McChesney and he blew his knee out and his career ended because you were soft? And hold on. If we're talking about like, injuries and Jackson you know, McChesney, what about the quarterback situation? BYU is telling you where they're at with this season because they're so hell-bent on playing what, what is assumed to be the number one in Jaron Hall. Let's not forget. Everyone wants to say, oh, well, you know, season ended in the Boise game. Yeah, let's not forget what happened in the Boise game. You played a 50% healthy quarterback, dude. That's why everyone was pressing. That's why I the fumbles happened. So so when we're talking about injuries and playing depth, well, if you wanted to play your depth, why did everyone give us, you know, uh, a ration of crap about about our take on, on the fact that we think that Baylor Romney is a better fit in this system than Jaron Hall? Certainly a better fit than Jaron Hall, 50%. So – I don't know. It's just a it's just a confusing a confusing thing. I, I my personal opinion is that BYU still has everything to play for, you know, and so does Utah. But you know, in this conversation, BYU's got everything to play for. And if I'm a BYU fan, 
I'm pulling hard. I'm, but that's not even an opinion. That's a fact. Well, apparently it is an opinion that's a because fact. because we have a ton of people, I'm sure, that are disagreeing about you know about whether whether sportsmanship you know matters more than 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 putting up seventy against Idaho State. And and the other thing is, people were talking about style points, and I think BYU f- football is, you know. St- skyrocketing up the relevance chart, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt. But if you believe that the East Coast dominated NCAA and the East Coast dominated people that are going to make decisions on the college football playoff system, watch BYU football. If you really believe that BYU football is on the television set of a committee member when they're playing Georgia Southern or when they're playing, you know, average school that is a filler game in November, Idaho State, you're wrong. Now you want you want to know what really happens? They look at box scores. They look at they're just going to go down the schedule. They're going to have a I would guess a printed piece of paper in their hand and it's going to say Idaho State versus BYU. 59 points is nice, but how many times have you had the chance to score 60 points back-to-back games? How many times has BYU ever in the history of BYU football had that opportunity? Why was it cool? Maybe a, maybe a, a relevant question might be, why was it cool to score 60-plus the first week, but then against Idaho State, you don't want to score 60 again? Well, because it was Bronco in Virginia. and you Oh, know, so there, it was sportsmanship, Yes, sportsmanship wasn't a problem when you were scoring 66 against Bronco. Then why don't we try to just win every game by one point? But it's a ridiculous premise. If you're a if you're a committee member and you see that BYU scored 70 points, let's say, against Idaho State, and then 70 more against Georgia Southern, and then 35 more against a really average USC defense. And Algiers got 400 yards in two of those games and another 100 against USC. I, I just don't even know. I don't even know how this is a conversation. And I think it goes back to BYU fans are comfortable. And I think it goes back, and I love Kalani Sataki. I think he is too nice. I think there's a lot of times where Kalani wants to be liked. And frankly, it's one of the things I always admired about Bronco Mendenhall. He didn't want to be liked. He just wanted to win. You know, like, and I, I, I think that at BYU, so many people have this belief, well, but we're the church. And, you know, we have to be nice. We God don't bless. have to be nice when we're playing football. What is the point of playing football if you are not trying to achieve at the highest level? And again, I just ask, and I don't mean to be redundant, what have the last 10 years been about then? Nothing. If you're not willing to do what needs to be done to to get a New Year's Six bid... And this idea that that's no longer available is ridiculous. What were people saying? Ridiculous. What were they saying? Was there a why behind that? Listen, BYU will be one of the top 12 teams at the end of the season. They will be. My guess is that if they win the next two games, BYU will be a top 10 ranked team in the country when the season is over. And you really don't think there's an opportunity for them to get selected to a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I, what are you looking at? What are you thinking? The problem is when you just, well, you know, I'm so glad we were nice. And, you know, I'm so glad that they took 
some other school over us for a New Year's Six Bowl because I, I really am just happy that Idaho State likes and respects us. I'm here to take respect. I'm not here to ask you to be my friend. We're playing football. Let's shake hands and bro hug after the game. And when you're on the ground and there's 30 seconds left and we've got 72 points, here's my hand. I'll help you up. That's sportsmanship. Sportsmanship is not taking it easy on somebody because, oh, we're nice people and we're a church-based institution. That's not what football's about. That's never been what BYU, BYU football's been about. It just, it, it makes me, it makes me crazy. Like it, it is so amazing to me that, that this is where we are talking about BYU. I, mm-hmm. I am amazed by it. Um, let's see. James Knight, first in this morning. Good morning, James. Good to see you. Hope you're well. Eric C says, Aztec family. Good morning. <laughs> Old reliable. Always in forever, let's my friend. Let's go. Thank you, Eric C, for the recommendation on Gomez's, by the way. That, that was, was really fire, good. dude. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, I agree, Monty, but I think a lot of BYU fans think a two-loss BYU team is not getting into a New Year's Six Bowl. Then you don't know football. If you think that because BYU has two losses, they won't get a New Year's Six bid, I think you don't know how football works, and I think you don't know how the process works. I don't think you understand it. Um, Jeremy Bolton says, good morning. Genuine question. Have those who determine who gets in in the New Year's Six Bowl ever come out and said that style points matter? Yeah, absolutely they have. For generations, style points have mattered. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Mm-hmm. It is not – there is not – there is not a question in the world, especially here's the thing. Style points are not one definition. So if it's if it's BYU next to, you know, pick a national powerhouse, Florida State, Alabama, like not Alabama, Florida State, Auburn, Notre Dame. Well, you're probably picking Florida State, Auburn, or Notre Dame, right? Because they're going to bring more people to the television set, et cetera. Well, that's not the case anymore. Right, BYU is going to bring 2 million people to a major bowl game on TV, and they're going to travel 60,000 strong. I, I, think, I think everybody would agree with that. They've done it consistently. So I don't think it's a question anymore of, well, it's, you know, it's BYU, it's the Mormons. No, it's not, it, that's not what it's about anymore. The ESPN contract independence changed that. So what are style points now? Style points are, well, you know, how do I justify taking, you know, BYU over XYZ? Whoever that might be, right? Like, how do I justify taking BYU over this team? And the way you justify that is you're like, well, they did drop 70 points, you know, 60 points minimum three weeks in a row. You know, look what they did to Virginia, and then they just went on and steamrolled Idaho State and, and Georgia Southern. And then look at that win. They scored 35, 40 points against USC. I mean, the resume's intact. But you don't have that because you're not going to score 60 points three games in a row. You're, you, the story is what's being told. This is very much like the best way that I've ever heard it described is that you have the same process in the NFL Hall of Fame Veterans Committee as you do in bowl selection season. Whereas on the senior committee for the NFL Hall of Fame, you have one media member that advocates for this particular former player to get into the NFL or to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And they sit there and they have their time 
to make their case. They can use video, visuals, statistics. That's what happens. There is a there is a lobby. There is a debate. So when you're sitting there and you're trying to make the case for BYU, well, hey, you know what? We you know, they're going to we're going to get 2 million viewers here. We're going to make good money on the on the ad rev. Uh, you know, we're going to sell a lot of tickets. Because we know that the BYU fan base is enormous. And, you know, look what they did to Legion Stadium against Arizona to open the season. An opening game against Arizona? What are they going to do in a New Year's Six Bowl? What are they going to do at the Cotton Bowl? That's how the process works. There, that, And that is without question how the process works. Yeah. So when you talk about style points, yeah, style points absolutely matter. And if you look at, if you just look at, if you just look at the rankings right now, Mm-hmm. Right, just look at the 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 college football playoff rankings, which, by the way, week two comes out tonight. Right, if you look at the rankings, and you say, okay, well, who is who's around, who's around BYU right now? So the couple of teams that are just ahead. You have Wake Forest at thirteen. Wake Forest just lost, and if you look at Wake Forest in in their resume, you're like, well, you know, am I re- well, yeah, you know. They beat well. They beat Florida State, but Florida State's terrible this year. Perfect it, example. Old of style Dominion. Points. Perfect style, example of style points. Right. Fifty. They lose. Wake Forest loses fifty-eight to fifty-five. High-scoring game. I would remind you. Wake Forest beat Virginia thirty-seven seventeen. Well, but BYU put up sixty-six on Virginia. Right. Okay. Well. You know, they they hung on to beat Louisville. They, well, BYU lost to Boise. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, they hung on to beat Syracuse. Do you see where I'm going here? Like, you're going to have six, potentially six P5 wins at the end of this year. You're going to, you need, you need style points. You like, need to be able to say, hey, we've got six P5 wins and we laid an ass kicking on teams like Idaho State and Georgia Southern. And unfortunately, you're not going to be able to say this, but it would have been nice to be able to say, yeah, we handled Boise. We did. Well, but, look at know. UTSA. UTSA is another one that everybody's in love with. UTSA. UTSA. Here are their, their big win is Illinois. Uh, Lamar. Middle Tennessee. Memphis. UNLV. Western Kentucky. Rice. Louisiana Tech, and UTEP. Wow. Real impressed. Those are their big wins. BYU's got a far better resume. Oh, but UTSA is undefeated. And But again, you're, you're selling a story, right? You can, you can understand. I would think at this point, I would hope that you can understand. Look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 8-1, right? They, got, they, they lost to Cincinnati. Right, and their wins are Florida State, barely. Toledo, barely. Purdue, they beat Wisconsin handily. They lost to Cincinnati. They barely beat Virginia Tech. They handle a really average USC team. They handled UNC, but you know, Wake Forest lost to UNC like 
now we're playing like the comp the compare them game so this is right? the conversation that's had which is why again i just want to keep pointing this out as we go through this that's why having 60 or 70 against some crap team in idaho state really matters hey by the way don't you need virginia to beat notre dame don't you need virginia to win that game because trust me i'm a notre dame fan lifelong suffering notre dame fan that's a mediocre football team in South Bend. Mm -hmm. You need Virginia to 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 handle Notre Dame because that helps BYU's resume, right? Don't you notice that? Hey, Utah, Utah's running up the ranking here. Like they're 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 going to win the South. They're probably going to the Rose Bowl. Would be nice if they would beat Oregon. If you're a BYU fan, you're a Utah fan. Yes, because you need them to win games. You need Arizona State to stop screwing around. And getting blown out at home, you need ASU to win games. See where see where we're going? Like it's resume building. Yeah, absolutely. Style points matter. Um, I'm honestly surprised that you guys are getting so much hate over this. Tanner says, "Me too." Yeah, it, it is surprising. Absolutely surprising. Uh, Jeremy says, "I just think two more TDs against uh, Idaho Southern Tech Sycamore matters whether they're going to get into a New Year Six. It's not just that game. When you lose to Boise State." and then you lose to Baylor, you have to take every opportunity that's available to you. You got to prove yourself. And that isn't coming out in the third quarter and laying an egg against Idaho State by playing, oh, but Jackson McChesney and... Cool, that's what spring ball's for, man. You you want to see your depth? That's what spring ball's for. That's what the offseason's for. You know, hey, Jaron Hall's working with John Beck. All right, in the offseason. That's what the offseason's for. That's not what November, November football is for. <laughs> it's not. Eric C says, teams going to a New Year's Six Bowl are probably already decided. No, those who decided already know who they want in. I think largely, yeah. I think largely, yeah. Those 12 teams um, are probably probably decided, but think about it. Look at how many losses are going to happen. Yeah. Right? Just look at at, at, at Georgia and Alabama. Georgia and Alabama are headed for a, a, a face smashing in the SEC championship game. Facts. I mean, that's going to happen. Those two are going to play. Yeah. One of them is going to lose. And if you're if you're an Alabama fan, it better not be you because then you're an eight and two. And now all of a sudden you're going to have to get lucky. Right? But if you're if you're Oklahoma, if you're look at Oregon, who thinks if Oregon loses the Pac-12 championship game that they're going to the college football playoff? Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're look going to 2019. They're going to the Rose Bowl, right? Like I I, I mean I, I'm telling you, this is really a big moment in time for BYU. Look at Ohio State at eight and one. Look at Notre Dame at eight and one. There's a chance if Notre Dame loses again that they're not one of the top 15 teams in the country because people are already doubting them. Already doubting them. Already doubting them. Michigan State lost. Michigan State is all the way down to eight. What happens if Michigan State loses again? They're eighth, right? Michigan State has Maryland, Ohio State, and then Penn State. Pretty good chance Michigan State's losing again, right? Hey, by the way, does Michigan have any, I don't know, does Michigan have a big game left on their schedule? Yeah, Ohio State to end the year. Just that little thing. What if Michigan loses again? You think they're one of the top 12 teams? They're currently ninth, right? Oh, by the way, they also have uh, Penn State 
this week. You think that's a walk in the park? Because it's not. The, the top 12 is going to change significantly. So I would I would agree probably the top six, eight teams, there's a pretty good chance we know who those teams are. I don't think we have I don't think we have a full understanding of who um you know of who these all 12 of the New Year's Six Bowl teams are. Yeah, and, and when I hear you talking about these teams, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Penn States, the, you know, the Michigan States, when we talk about all these teams losing, all that is is opportunity for BYU because some of these teams are going to lose, things are going to shift around, and if you can just handle your business and you can stop playing you know, your 15th string running back and start putting up 65-70 against these crap teams, you're going to crack at least the top 12, but I think the top 10. I would think that BYU will be 12th or 13th in the college football playoff ranking tonight. They'll move up. Um, I look at I look at the teams around them, you know, like it, it is to me, I, I don't see that you know, Baylor's Baylor's problem is going down. They lost to TCU. And by the way, who's Baylor got now? Baylor's got Oklahoma, right? So you don't have to worry about Baylor creeping. Like there was a question about teams creeping up from behind. There's not a team. If BYU handles their business, BYU's going to be a top 10 team when the season's over. And by the way, Tom Holmo should get a ton of credit here. He should. This is a beautiful execution of scheduling. Two two weaker teams and end the season with a nameplate team, no matter what you think oh, and of geez, USC. Don't forget Oklahoma, Oklahoma State end the season. Yeah. Yes. So Oklahoma State's got a <laughs> Oklahoma State's got a real good chance to lose. So the thing, that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's kind of the point what we're are trying we to even drive talking home. Here. About? Like, there a lot of these teams are going to lose. There's going to be opportunity for BYU to be able to say, Hey man, six six P five wins. We handled our business against two crap teams. Like, yes, we've got two two you've got really one bad loss. And in my opinion, you should have won the Baylor game, but that's you know, that's kind of a, a harsher take. So really, you know, generally speaking, six P five wins, one bad loss, and then another loss that just kinda happened. So you have a good resume. Yeah. You have a strong enough case to be made here to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. But I but it, I have to agree with what you said earlier in the show about that person who was tweeting, which is you know, oh, we're just waiting for next year. Well, I don't know what BYU train you're on, but there is so much left here. There is oh so much left here for for this for this program, especially coming off the heels of of the Zach Wilson era at BYU. You had such a great time when he was here, and now you've just rinsed and repeated again with this with this current team. Well, Spencer Evans, why is putting up 59 points not enough? Oklahoma is the only top 10 team to put up more than 60 in any game. 59 on an FCS team is not letting your foot off the gas. Yes, it is. Here's how you let your foot off the gas. And by the way, who would be the only top 10 team to score 60 points in a game twice? Oh. You're just, you just keep putting more feathers in your cap, man. Yeah. And when you look at how BYU played that game, they didn't play their starters in the second half. The third quarter was an absolute exercise in futility offensively. Yeah. Could not convert on third down, could not run the ball. You like, start moving the ball. And by the way, you gave up points, like, which I guess doesn't really matter because I don't think anybody's going to look at it that deep. To see 60 points three straight weeks on your schedule when somebody's trying to make an argument for or against you, so I, I'm telling you, and I, I, I know I got laughed off of Twitter yesterday for saying this, 60 points is far more impressive than 59 on paper. 
It's one point, right? It's one point. 60 points is far better than 59. Mm-hmm. Right? This is this is the game of soccer. One goal is not a, a real lead. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm telling you, when you're trying to be impressive and you're trying to build a case to put yourself in a million-dollar game that probably means five to ten million dollars to you, what is what does a New Year's Six Bowl mean to Built Bar? Yeah, a lot. Think about that. Think about it that way. What does a New Year's Six Bowl mean to New Skin? What does a New Year's Six Bowl mean to Vivint? What is like? Think about it that way. Think about recruiting. Like I don't understand how we like. Yeah, the ability to say, "Hey, we're you know we we'll get you to a New Year's Six Bowl. You'll be on national TV even more than you already would be." You know, we're gonna be in the Big Twelve here possibly as soon as twenty twenty two, and that's the best basketball conference in the country. Yeah. Hey, by the way. You know, let, let, you know, why don't we uh, have you, why don't we have Larry H. Miller be the official car sponsor? Like, think about it, man. Think about it. It's resume building. Anyway, um, you know, Jeremy Bolton says, I agree with Spencer. I don't think putting 59 points is letting your foot off the gas. Well, then I, I don't think you have a true understanding or appreciation you, for you what guys, it takes. You really think that they didn't take their foot off the gas in that Idaho State game? You really, I mean, I, I, we can't be the only ones who watch that game. They were dominating in the first half. Anything they wanted. What did you do in the in the third quarter? What did you do in the fourth quarter? What did you, like, you absolutely took your foot off the gas. Are it's you kidding me? not in dispute, dude. How it's are we even having dispute. this conversation? Yeah. My God. Ramiro said, Idaho State coach praised Kalani for not putting 70 on them. Nice guy. That's, that was, Neat. that's not great. We're not – I don't understand this. Do you want to be nice or do you want to play in the biggest games in the college football season? They want to be nice and play in the biggest games. That's doesn't, what they want. I don't think it works that way all the time. It doesn't. Tanner says Utah is BYU's best friend right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know. Agree completely. Yeah, I, I – go. I'm you need Utah to go and beat Oregon. Uh, angry Ashley, I can't see your comment. YouTube filtered it. Uh, Tanner – Okay, man, I don't know why all these comments are being filtered. By the way, we don't. Uh, so it's, you know. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. Yeah, we don't do that. Uh, Brian Carter says, all right, point taken. Looking forward, cover plus against Georgia Southern and beat SC yeah. and SoCal. And I don't think there's too much of a loss at 59. At that point, college football playoff committee will know the, about backups. Yeah, I, I yeah, it is what it is. I'm just I think the philosophical discussion on this is what is what I think is so fascinating. You know, like it, it is it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I just the the thing that's so striking to me is that BYU fans I feel like you've taken your foot off the gas. You've been begging and pleading and complaining and ripping the program for probably what, a decade? saying that you don't have the opportunity. You you're struggling to get to bowl games. You're you're not where you want to be. And for me just I, I agree with you that the the conversation really is philosophical. Like you guys like you can't be nice and win games. Eric C says San Diego State could use Baylor Romney. Yeah, is Baylor Romney going to stay? I don't know. What is I mean the quarterback situation at BYU is interesting. You know if you're the backup that Jaron Hall's going to get hurt. He, he I, again, water's wet. Jaron Hall gets hurt. I mean, it happens all the time. 
it'll be interesting to see what the quarterback room looks like next season. I think that's an interesting conversation. BYU will destroy Georgia Southern and it'll beat SC by 40. Then you're probably a New Year's Six Bowl team. I, you know, I how, would love I, to see that. By the way, has anybody noticed that you're like, you're going to have, you have the potential to have BYU and Utah both playing on New Year's Day? It'd be fire. That'd be pretty amazing. It is, it is, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. All right, make sure you hit subscribe. By the way, if you're here right now, give us a like. We appreciate you watching and, uh, you know, taking part in the show. We love all the comments. We love you guys on Twitter. Um, so give us a like, then give us a subscribe because we're giving away this Xbox Series S when we get to 3,000 subscribers. Admittedly, we have been methodically plotting along, mm -hmm. subscriber count-wise. I don't even know what we're at right now. We're at 25. Okay, well, we're at 2588. So we've picked up quite a few here over the last few days. But um, we need to get we need to get rolling towards 3000. We need to Hey man. You know, we're just we're just we're just here. I'm know. just tired of dusting the Xbox box. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe we shouldn't take our foot off the gas. Maybe we need a better giveaway. Okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. You know. Uh Angry Ashley says Utah uh will lose to Oregon. Could be. Absolutely could be. Uh, Brandon Whitesides, good morning to you. Always good to see you, sir. Says college football is the lamest sport. No playoffs. So one team have to win by 400 instead of just win. You have to impress a committee of Power 5 conferences that want to consolidate power anyway. True. I agree. Absolutely 100%. true. 100%. Absolutely true. It is trash. All right, let's talk Utah Jazz basketball here on the glamorous amazing win by 50 Monty show. Yes. Um, let's talk about trades and upgrading this roster because I think one of the more interesting things about the Utah jazz right now is their, their depth or what is perceived to have been depth. That's not really depth right now. How surprised are you? And, and I think this is where I want to start. How surprised are you with the situation that Jared Butler finally kind of, hello, hello currently finds himself in? Yeah, I'm really surprised by it. I, I, I think that, um, you know, he did, he did well in, in, in the preseason, you know, he showed that he was definitely serviceable, definitely could give you quality minutes. Um, I think we all knew that he was going to struggle offensively, but I think we knew that that would be worth it because of his defensive prowess. So you're, you're kind of in a situation with Jared Butler where, you know, he needs minutes, you know, he needs the time, but the fact is, and we talked about this and everybody kind of was in agreement about it that Quinn doesn't play young guys. Quinn Snyder does not play young guys. Yeah. And and I think it's it's a tough situation because you have this dynamic right now where Jared Butler really needs the minutes and they're really going to need Jared Butler towards the end of the season when everybody's tired and you know not not playing their best basketball cuz they are just so damn tired cuz this season is forever long. And the problem is is that with you not playing him, he's not going to be in a position to be successful or at least successful to the level you want him to be. And so then you start talking about, all right, well, if you're not going to play Jared Butler and the trade deadline is approaching, you know, it's coming, um, what are you going to do with this roster? And this is kind of the age-old discussion that we find ourselves in on this show. And I think a lot of Jazz fans find themselves thinking about this with the team, kind of in the background when you're watching the game. Hey, Joe Ingles just checked in. How's he looking tonight? Is he is he five of five or is he one of five? Because it seems right now for Joe Ingles and a couple guys that they're they're gonna play three really good games. Look at Royce O'Neal. Two really good games. Five of five, and then I think it was four of four or whatever it was, and everyone's like, Oh my god, this is Royce O'Neal. This is the guy we know and love. But then next week he's gonna be 0 for like five games in a row. 
And that's the trouble with this roster. You have inconsistencies in the in with Quinn and who he wants to play and not play. And then with the guys he's playing constantly, you have big time inconsistencies. So I do think you have to make a move, no doubt. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting names on the trade market is Josh Hart. Now, the issue is he's not available till March 3rd. So in all likelihood, that trade doesn't happen. But the idea that the Jazz are being linked to a guy like Josh Hart tells you a lot about you know where they are as a as an organization and as a, as a roster. I think they realize that they don't have a true backup point guard. And the question now kind of evolves into, okay, well, what are you willing to give up to get something? Mm-hmm. Because if you add a guy like Josh Hart, who is probably in your truest sense, a guy that can get you three and plays phenomenal defense, that's what this team is lacking. Because you don't need a volume scorer. What you don't, the thing that that I think probably worries you a little bit, depending on who you give up, you don't want to bring a guy in here that's a volume scorer because you can't you can't bring a new guy in and take away everything that you've built. And I think that's one of the bigger concerns that you have if you're a Jazz fan when you go and make a trade. If you're going to do that, without question, you have to move on from Boyan Bogdanovich, which, by the way, I'd be fine with that, um, depending on who you get in return. But I think small tweaks are better for this Jazz team. So a small tweak, getting a guy like a Josh Hart, who is, I think, going to be moved by New Orleans. I, I have almost no doubt about that. Um, I think you look at other backup you know, guys that can play the 2-3, you know, a lot of people are pointing at Marcus Smart having a fallout with the, with the Celtics and his teammates. Well, he also makes 20-something million dollars a year, so mm-hmm. I think that's awfully difficult to digest. Um, but you'd love to unplug Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovich for a Marcus Smart. I just don't think that's available to you. One, there are trade restrictions there, and two, the guy just makes an enormous amount of money. Um, so I think you're more likely to, to wind up making a deal for a, a Jay Crowder type who can give you a three, but brings you that mean physical presence that you need. And I keep going back to that name because his skill set to me is exactly what this roster's missing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, and I think, you know, one thing I think that it's important to understand about where this Jazz team is at is that, is, is you had said that, you know, you think small tweaks are what this team needs. And I, I agree with you. The problem that I think the Jazz face is that, because of the cap situation and how they kind of have to work within their financial restrictions, they're not able to just say, well, let's let's move Roy, just Royce for a guy. Because just moving Royce is not valuable enough and the money doesn't necessarily work. So you end up having to do these package deals where you're like, all right, Royce and, and Joe for X. And the question's going to be, because there is going to be a yeah. trade that happens. I have no doubt about that. Yes. The only question is going to be what they're able to get back for what they give up. I mean, that that's literally it. And and, and I think that the problem is, 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 is the Jazz are in one of the toughest spots you can be in sports, which is you're a dominant regular season team. You're expected to be a top five Western Conference team. By some people's standards, a top three Western Conference team. And somehow, some way, with the way this roster has been built – you're not a championship caliber team yet. You're still missing a piece here, a piece there. So you wind up torturing your fans. And as an organization, you're like, damn, dude, like, what do we got to do? Well, it's a tough spot. And this is the Buddy Heald conversation. A lot of people love Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. He cannot defend. The guy that you are no better off with Buddy Heald than you are with 
a Boyan Bogdanovich or he just is not a good, he is a minus defender everywhere but the three-point line. And granted, he is a good defender of the three-point line, but what do the Jazz have now? A bunch of guys who can defend the three-point line but can't keep anybody from going to the basket. The only thing I would say on Buddy Heald, I agree with you, the only thing I would say would be an upgrade is just the athleticism piece because he is definitely more athletic than a boy. Yeah, I, and look, I understand that he shoots the three at a, an exceptional level. Yeah. But he's not a guy that gets to the free throw line. Like, I just am not a Buddy Heald in Utah guy. Mm -hmm. If I'm the Lakers, if I am, you know, hell, I would even say the Phoenix Suns. Like, if you're a team that needs another three-point shooter, go get Buddy Heald. There's no question he's a good fit. Buddy Heald's not a fit in, in Utah. And I bring up his name, and I, I bring up a guy like Amarcus Smart because I think finding a guy to fit into this system right now that can help you get to the Western Conference Finals and beyond is going to be very difficult to do. Yes. Because you are cash-strapped, number one. Um you don't have a whole lot of, of of assets to give away in return. That's why a guy like a Joe Ingles, who is well-respected around this league, that people really look up to, a guy like Joe Ingles has more value than what he can do at the three-point stripe, right? He's asked to do far more than he's capable of here in, in, in Utah. In nine out of ten nights, he's able to do that. Yeah. But I think when you look at where the Jazz are, like tonight – Tonight is a really interesting game. I mean, Atlanta got embarrassed last night. Atlanta got embarrassed. They gave up 50 to Steph. Like, yeah. they're on a back-to-back. -back. How much fight is going to be in the Atlanta dog tonight? Mm. Eh, I'm going to say not a whole lot of fight. This is a game I feel like the Jazz coming off a road trip. You're rested. This is a game you'd love to see the Jazz win by double digits. 40% from three. You know, you'd love to game see it. for Rudy. You know, that that's what you need. You'd love to see it. But... My point is, when you're talking about trading guys, it's not as simple as saying, well, we're going to trade Joe Ingles or we're going to trade, you know, Royce O'Neal or Bogey. Or I think you have to look at the bigger picture and what those particular players mean to this, this club right now. And I think when you look at Joe Ingles in particular, his leadership and his the momentum that he brings to a practice or a shoot-around, those are things that are, are tangible that you can feel that are not easily replaced right? So if you want, and, and again, I say you trade Joe Ingles just for the basketball part of it. But if you want to keep Jingles on this roster, I totally understand that from a humanity standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint, from a 40 plus percent three-point shooting standpoint. Absolutely. He can no longer be a point guard for you. Yeah. Joe Ingles is one thing. He is a spot up corner elbow three-point shooter. That's it. When you're asking him to to back up Mike Conley, when you're asking him to be a facilitator, he cannot do that anymore. He does not have the energy and the longevity that you need to do that at a high level in the NBA. Everything else suffers after that, right? And he is an okay defender. Joe Ingles is no longer a plus defender. He's just not. And so I don't love the idea of trading him. I have no problem trading Boyan Bogdanovich. I believe you must upgrade Royce O'Neal. I just don't think when you have a guy like Rudy Gobert, who is so obviously a hole in your in your in your game, he is so good defensively, and he is so limited offensively. He for for him to have big nights, you got to shoot poorly. Nine out of ten nights, when Rudy has a big night, the Jazz don't shoot well. Yeah, 
And when they don't shoot well, they don't win. And when Rudy has big games, generally, depending on the opponent, if Rudy's putting up 15 and 15 against the best teams in the NBA, the Jazz are going to lose. Yeah. Jazz are going to lose. And when they have an athletic, when they have an athletic opponent that's getting in the paint, guys are, you, you'll notice, guys are no longer scared of attacking Rudy Gobert. They're not. Because they know that they're going to get calls. They know that when Rudy, you know, gets himself into two, three fouls, he starts barking at the official, you know, like those are the things that worry you. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about championship players, Royce O'Neal is not a championship player. And everybody's talking about like, and I get it. Bowler's paid to say great things about everybody, but like Bowler and David Locke talking about how much just Royce O'Neal's game has evolved. And that's great. I need him to play defense. I don't need Royce O'Neal to ever make another three point shot. I need him to be a plus defender, and he's not. You need him to have that effect on the floor that Pat Bev had with the Clippers and with all the teams he's played with. It's just with. not who he is. And he's not that guy. And it's cool that he's scoring 15 points and six steals, and if you could count on that game in and game out, I guess that'd be a thing. He's here to play defense. He's a starter. He needs to do his job. And on, on too often, he doesn't. And if I look at places on this Jazz team where you can upgrade, I'm telling you right now, Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovich, and to a lesser extent, Joe Ingles. But those are the three guys that have value on this roster. Those are the three guys that you can move. And I, I'll just go back to what I was saying. I, I am not thrilled about trading Joe Ingles, but it's the right thing to do if you want to win a championship. Yeah, it's, which they it's do. tough to argue that. It is really tough to argue that. Joshua Blaylock Dixon, good morning to you. I wish we could get a Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes is well paid, and he is going to be in high demand. Yeah, the money thing is just tough, dude. The money thing is tough right now, but you're also competing against a lot of other teams who have a lot of other bodies and a lot more draft capital than you do to go and make trades. Yeah. So ask yourself, what do the Jazz have that – Another Eastern, because my guess is Harrison Barnes is going to wind up at the top of the Eastern Conference because there's not a team at the top of that conference that doesn't need him. I mean, I, I look at, at, at my R&We, the Chicago Bulls. Anybody notice what they did last night? They took out the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets need more athleticism defensively because they're a terrible defensive team. Harrison brings you a lot of things. He can shoot the three, he can get to the rack, but he is, he is an undervalued defender. And what he brings athletically to the floor makes a team better. It makes a team better. You can't compete with a Brooklyn on Tampa because they, they've got guys to give to you. Like, what do the Jazz have that Brooklyn – I mean, if we're, if we're talking body for body, the Brooklyn Nets can trade guys to add a Harrison Barnes. If they're in a, a similar situation. I mean, they're a perpetual yeah. luxury taxpayer, but they just have more to give up, Right. I look at the Chicago Bulls. I look at the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, obviously, Ben Simmons is a, is a trade chip, right? I don't know that Sacramento would be involved in that or that he would want to go to Sacramento. I look at the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're talking about trading their two, two of their best players. Carl Anthony Towns is not going to be a T-Wolf at the end of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? Finally. I mean, there's not a team on the West Coast that wouldn't love to have Carl Anthony Towns. And I think really what we're saying here with all these examples, and they're great examples, but what we're really saying is is that there's opportunity here. And the Jazz front office just has to figure out 
how they can make something happen, you know, with, again, with the financial situation that they're in and, and with the guys that they have to present in a trade. And I think that, you know, the, the, the real, like I'd be prioritizing wing defense. That would be my number one starting point. If the guy can score great, we don't need him to score. We need him to stop Paul George on the wing. That's what we need. You need the Iman Shumpert type player. Yeah, I thought that was – you brought that He's up yesterday. He's the perfect I, example. Yeah, I thought that was a great example, man. Like, Iman Shumpert was so important to the Cavs. Like, You're talking about – just to put into perspective mm. what Iman Shumpert was, just so people remember, because I don't know that the young Jazz fan even knows who Iman Shumpert was because he hasn't played in a little bit. Well, he, he's done. He retired. He's on Dancing with the – whatever. Yeah, like, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, he hasn't played – in many years now, but like Iman Shumpert was a guy who, who has stories about matching up with Kobe dude. Like he was that guy for the teams that he played on. And, and if Kobe was alive and playing today, who, who would be guarding him on this jazz team? Who guards Paul George, who guards Kevin Durant? Like who is your stopper on this team? You don't have one. Everyone just goes right to Rudy. And that's not good enough if you want to win a championship. You got to have layers to the defense. It can't just be, oh, well, Rudy's back there. Yeah. Because what have we seen? Rudy won't be able to get back against the good teams who know how to scheme him out of the paint. Yeah, I mean, you you need – the other guy we brought up was like a Cantavius Caldwell Pope. You need like a guy who's willing to do his job. Avery Bradley. You know, like Avery Bradley's an interesting guy. I don't know that he's a defender he used to be, but, man, he does a job. You know, and he's a guy that that when he's on your team, you notice the things that he does. You know, but just looking up and down the rankings, I mean, that that I mean, the best available defender is Ben Simmons, but who wants Ben Simmons on the Utah Jazz? What I about Thibel? Thibel's an elite defender, but I don't right. know that you can go. How and get are him. you going to get him? I don't. Philly. That's, that's I mean, my point. I don't know how you're going to get him. And this again, this is the conundrum of the Dennis Lindsay era. Mm -hmm. You have nothing. You had all those draft assets and all that talent. And now you have nothing. You're in recovery mode. And you know, you're like, still I, good. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, I, I go back to the Golden State Warriors. They're, they're nine and one. Yeah. Like, do you understand how good the Warriors are? Without like, Clay I, Thompson, they're nine and one. I, I, it, Steph and, Curry's putting up 50. And that's why I brought them up because you look at Clay Thompson, is if he comes back in December and is just three quarters of the defender he was, they're going to be a problem. They're much better already. Without him even scoring. And he's going to shoot the lights out. I, I It just, the West is scary. Because the Lakers, the look at the Clippers. The Clippers are without Kawhi Leonard. And they're trash. But you can see them getting better. Right? And this is the only thing that worries me and gives me a little pause about the Utah Jazz. They're not getting better. They are who they've been. Right? I mean, this team... And that's not a critique. I think that's just reality. That's reality. And I don't know what Rudy Gay brings to the yard. We'll see. But this team is who they've always been. They don't defend well. They have a reputation as a great defensive team. They don't defend well, in my opinion. Um, and they are a... And when the three ball's going in, this team's really difficult to beat. Live and die. And when it's not, they're not very difficult to beat. And they will lose to the Timberwolves. They will lose to teams like the Magic. They will lose. The Bulls. Well, I. <laughs> and now you got to start talking about the Bulls not being a fluke. I'm telling you right now, yeah, that team is that team when the, the and everybody I get it the other day was mocking me about it. 
when that team's out on the run, find me a better fast break and mid-range team than the Chicago Bulls right now. Yeah, don't know. Because the way that Lonzo Ball is distributing, the w- Zach Levine looks like pre-ACL Zach Levine flying to the rack. And the, what you're getting out of DeMar DeRozan. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know that he can do it all year, but we'll see. We'll see, man. I, I just the Jazz are the Jazz are absolutely who they've been for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Every other team around them is different. Some are better, some are not. Every other team is different, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Brandon White says says Rudy for Brown. Whiteside is for Rudy for Brown. Whiteside is ready to be a starter. Uh, You're talking about Jalen Brown. I'm not at all interested in Jalen Brown. And this was a conversation yesterday on Twitter. Jalen Brown, what is Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown's already injured is what Jalen Brown is. Yeah. Jalen Brown is always injured. That's what Jalen Brown is. So what do you, by the way, you think, you think Boston's going to take Rudy Gobert's $40 million contract for Jalen Brown? I don't see that happening. Like I, I yeah. don't see, That's I don't tough. see any way. I just don't see any way that that explain to me how that makes sense at all on any level. Cause I don't say Jalen Brown is a, is a good player when he plays. He's a guy that you just need to understand. You're not getting, you're not getting 82 out of him. You're not, he's not a guy that, you know, he he'll give you 27, 28 points a game. Right. I mean, He'll give you... He's the dynamic wing player this team needs. The problem is, is he's hurt too much. And the money can't... You can't trust him. The money is would be tough. Here's, here are his... How many years... He is in his seventh year in the league now? Seventh year in the league. Okay. Sixth year in the league, excuse me. How many, how many times has he played 82 games? I'm going to say none. Never. 58, 57, 74, 70, 78. The so guy he's doesn't... He's trending up, but he's still injury prone. His no, no, no. Oh, no. His rookie year, he played 78, 70, 74, 57, oh, okay. 58. He's trending down. He's trending down. Okay. Now he's hurt again. He's not a guy that plays. He's, I mean, he's heading for half a season at this point. Yeah. And the sad thing is his numbers are going up. His health is going down. I'm not trading for Jalen Brown. If, if I'm trading for somebody on that team, it's the other guy. But I am not trading for Jalen Brown. But are we, uh, just out of curiosity, just throwing this out there, because this is the first time I'm really hearing about this. So, as Jazz fans, is is there now a willingness to trade Rudy Gobert? Is that what we're saying? I don't buy that for a second. I'm just asking. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's true. Jordan Crabtree says, isn't Western Conference uh, – is it's Western Conference or rebuild, in my opinion. Yeah, Western Conference Finals or rebuild. This team is desperate for a rebuild. Yeah. I mean, you need a retool. There's, there is no doubt about it. That's why the Joe Ingles extension – Joe's eligible for an extension. So yeah, you can't give him that extension. Dude. You can't do it. You can't do it. You that. cannot do it. As much as you love the guy, Ryan Smith tweeting Joe Ingles isn't going anywhere. You're signing up for what, three more years of, yeah. of this? Joshua Blaylock Dixon, we need a better Royce O'Neill. Yes, you do. Uh James Knight, a lot of short memory jingles haters out there. Uh he has covered one through four for two seasons when when if he plays eighteen minutes in a catch and shoot role, he wouldn't be mentioned as trade bait. Okay, so it doesn't matter what you've done for me in the past. 
Yeah. The NBA is a right now business. And right now, Joe Ingles has very little upside, in my opinion. He's not ever going to be better than he is today. Right? I mean, can we all agree on that? Would it would it upset you or frustrate you if you kept Joe Ingles too long and then you couldn't move him? You had to let him go as a free agent. Well, that's coming this summer. Yeah. I mean, um, I just – he is a catch-and-shoot player, period. Yeah. That's who he is today now. Why is that a problem? Why is that offensive, James? Like, I, I don't understand why that's so upsetting to you. Uh, Eric C. says, Grant on the Pistons, send Butler picks and bogey. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant would be... How much is Jeremy Grant making? Um, I, I know he's making money, but, I mean, Jeremy Grant is the kind of, you know, yeah, definitely. Buddy can get a bucket, and he can play good defense. He's a very good defender. Yeah. I he mean, is. He, and, I mean, and it, that's the best size, part of his game. With his size, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, who, who definitely you know, gave a guy like Kevin Durant some problems. You know? He's making $21 million a year. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You like, can you're afford not, that. You can make that happen. You can, but you're going to have to have the, the willingness to get rid of, you know, Royce, you know, Bogey, you know, I'm assuming Jingles. Is there, there anybody that's unwilling? I don't know. I mean, obviously, I know the Australians on the show don't want Jingles to go anywhere, and I respect that. But for those of you who are taking a real unbiased look at this thing, I think you're saying, okay, yeah, if we can get Jeremy Grant, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and let go of a, uh, a Joe, a Royce, or a Bogey. Yeah, and what you need, what you really need is probably sh if you could go straight up Boyan for Jeremy Grant. But why would There's Detroit no way. do that? You'd have to have. Why would Ideally, Detroit do that? Ideally, you would offer a pick with him or something, or like I don't think you have a pick. To I don't. Offer. That, no, that's my point. I don't think so. But I'm saying, ideally, in a perfect world, that's what you would do. But because you don't have that, you got to offer another player. I mean, I, I, you, you're probably going to have to offer, you know, a Trent Forrest in that kind of deal. You know, you're probably going to have to offer. Which then begs the question: Okay, if we're if we're leveraging our young talent because we don't have picks. Man, you better win now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just now. don't feel like I don't feel like there is a. I don't know that there's a, a trade Detroit could make with Utah. That'd probably have to be a three teamer so that Detroit got value back in return. But I I just don't see that Jazz have the assets to make that. I mean, he would be a great fit on this roster. I mean, yeah, he really would. Uh, Eric C says Jingles can fetch us a good catch, James. Yeah, it, he can be a topper to a trade. There's no doubt about no it. No doubt. No doubt. There is no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I, I think it is, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Tanner says, let's hope Bowler Jack doesn't find your show. He's delu his delusional mind is so sure that jazz are going to win the finals this year. Well, what do I mean, expect? that's Bowler Jack's job though. What do you expect? I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if we can go on a 17 game win streak again, like last year. <laughs> I mean, it would be awesome wow. to run through it, but. They just haven't – the Jazz haven't played their best basketball. That's the that's the tough part. Yeah. Let me run through some of these comments uh, before we start complaining about Jim Douche um, and other things. Um, Brylark says, morning, boys. Where have you been? Yeah, where have you been, Good bro? Good to see you, Brylark. I've said since the beginning of last year that we need to upgrade at Royce. He needs to be traded. Me and Joe have value. Jazz success will be determined at the trade deadline. Absolutely. Totally agree, dude. Eric DeVera, good morning to you. Joe is a better Niang and is a glue guy for the Jazz. We need a backup point guard. Rudy needs to shoot one mid-range a game. I, you know, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, too. I, I just want to see Rudy dribble to the basket. 
He's not going to be a consistent jump shooter at this point, I wouldn't think. Um, if he could put the ball on the floor, if he could power bounce and get up and dunk a basketball, but he his when he brings the ball down, his whole body comes down. So it really makes it impossible for him to finish. He doesn't have the technique or the footwork to dribble and finish at the rim. Shout the Mobamba. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> stop. <laughs> that's the that's the issue with Rudy. I'd love to see a drip the ability to dribble before uh, shoot, but yeah, jump shot would be fine. Um Jeremy Bolton says Jazz should get Caruso. They'd be an instant five time repeat champion. Yeah, well, you should have, but you didn't. And now he's a Chicago Bull and now they're gonna go to the playoffs. By the way, by the way, I'm just saying. But we're idiots for saying Caruso is and, good. And I don't know the number off the top of my head. Um, but Alex Caruso, and this is the best part about, you know, nine out of 10 guys don't watch Chicago Bulls basketball. Yeah. And that's fine. But because I'm a loser and I grew up in Chicago, mm -hmm. which is really why I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah. Um, I watch a lot of their games, right? Alex Caruso is playing 20 minutes a night for them. Um, he is rebounding, diamond out, stealing, playing defense, you know, Anybody that anybody that doesn't think you could use eight points and stellar tenacious defense off your bench is crazy. Yeah. The guy gives you what eight points, three boards a game. See, but I think Jared Butler could do that. You just need to give him minutes. You gotta water the plant, man. Not gonna happen. But it, yeah, agreed. It, it, he's Quinn is not going to do that. And 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 I, I I love Quinn, man. I love the way he goes about running this team and, and the way they play the game and everything, but but that would be a criticism I have of Quinn if I were to have one is that you're not giving the important young guy time. You're not giving him the time of day. The Bulls beat the Nets 118 to 95 last night. The rack attack! And shot 29% from three. Mm. Do you want to know why the Bulls are not a, a real Eastern Conference contender? Mm -hmm. Because they regularly shoot 29% from three. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love Zach Levine. Homie 0 for 4 from three last night. God bless him for getting in the line. Mm -hmm. um, and they rebound like nobody's business. I mean, yeah. I, they just, yeah. I mean, Tony Bradley gave him four points and eight boards off the bench in 15 minutes. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. The Bulls, anyway, the Bulls, are, right. the Bulls are fun again. Uh, Eric C says, will anyone be surprised if we stand pat again this year and make no moves? I'd be stunned. I actually would be, yeah, because I think I think uh, Justin Zanuck knows knows that they have to do something. And I think as a Jazz fan, I, I'm glad you said that. I think as a Jazz fan, you can take some, you can be comfortable with the fact that they they are going to make moves. You can be confident in that, yes. based on what they did in the off season. The off season told you exactly the direction this team is going, and I think, um, you know, it would be foolish to think that this front office isn't going to continue to be aggressive because I think they will be. Yeah, and, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like, what do you do with Elijah Hughes? Like, he's another guy. Elijah Hughes, Doak. I mean, Doak Azubuki's done. Um, Jared Butler, like, are you willing to trade Trent Forrest? I think Trent Forrest is going to be a 20-minute-a-night role guy in this league for the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. until he gets a three-point shot, he'll be a 20-minute-a-night roll guy. What you don't understand is a guy can attack the basket, breaks the paint, gets – I mean, he does a lot of things you like. Yeah. But does he have a place on the Utah Jazz? Like, Elijah Hughes doesn't seem to have a place on this team. 
You know, not like yet. not I that mean, he's going to play. Yeah, not yet. Pascal's addition to the Jazz is actually good. He brings toughness, and his contribution is underrated. Maybe Agreed. it's just me, but I prefer him over Royce O'Neal. I love what you know, Eric Pascal's. The problem to is, is that he's not quick enough to handle the you know the the dynamic wing player. He he's quick enough to handle a slower three and and obviously a four. That's the problem. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know, uh, James Knight. <laughs> Uh oh. James is still talking about his boy. Uh oh. James Knight says, My point is, Joe is the Jazz. My point with Joe is, the Jazz have done him no favors managing him. Okay, but you're not going to load manage Joe Ingles. You can't. Because you're load managing Mike Conley. This is what you paid for in Mike Conley. He's not playing back to backs. That's what you paid for. You knew that. Water's wet. Mike Conley's hurt in the playoffs. So what are you going to do to change that? You're not going to play him as much. Who's going to pay the price for that? Joe Ingles. I really don't care if you think it's us. That's his job. His job is to do things that nobody else can do. That's Joe Ingles' role on this team. The Jazz have become a give it to Don and get out of the way team. It's a black hole. Yes, it is. It's Don. What do I always say? It's Don and everybody else. That's what games turn into for the Jazz. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Uh, Kay Nuren says, yes, pay paying Rudy 40 was a bad idea need to make a trade have to make a trade I just don't know that you're you're certainly not trading Rudy not now um Brandon Whitesides heard years of the, the heard years back Celtics were interested in Rudy Brown is dynamic and young he's on Don's timeline okay he might I be heard often that. yeah but his role would be different allowing him to be healthier I do agree that he's on Don's timeline that's a fair point but I also think the injury concern I don't. I I've never been someone who buys into the hey the guy's getting hurt because he's doing too much. I mean, is is he not? He's a partner in crime already with Jason Tatum. Like, and by the way, your entire defensive existence is Rudy Gobert. I mean, the entirety of it, because you you're not you, with Rudy Gobert. You're an average defensive team. You defend the three line pretty well, the arc, but other than that. I mean, how much do you really defend? Yeah, not well. Right? Not well, no. So, yeah, I just don't think you're at this point where you can trade Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, you know. Uh, Brandon says, what do you think of the Jokic versus Morris thing? I think Markeith Morris is getting a free pass, and I think Nikola Jokic is not very bright. I mean, you're the MVP of the NBA. You can't be doing what he did. Although, what I'll say about it is I would. I love the toughness. I love the grit. I love that I'm not going to take trash from you type mentality and I think yeah. the Jazz could learn a few things from that I think when you look at Nikola Jokic he's soft and he's trying to prove he's not soft by the way they won the game they did just want to point that out yeah and I think that this is who the Morris brothers are threatening uh Nikola Jokic on Twitter after the game was not Marcus Morris's best option he took it anyway and I think, by the way, Nikola Jokic, the reason you're foolish is you didn't get called for a foul you should have been called for. Then when Markeith Morris elbowed you and body blocked you in the ribs, that would have been a flagrant. But yet you, you know, it was, the whole thing was stupid. It was stupid, but but at the end of the day, we, like the Jazz, to me, could learn something from that. Like I, this is one of the things we talk about with Rudy. I mean, we, sure, we can sit here and say Jokic is soft, but Jokic also is the guy who's not going to take anything. He's not. Like, he's not going to let you, you know, try to intimidate him or any of that nonsense. And and so I, I think that 
you know, it is unfortunate that it was him who went through that. But again, if I had to choose between having that mentality and not having that mentality, I'm going to take that mentality every single time, especially early in the season, because we've seen enough of Jokic to know he's not going to get in that kind of trouble where he's getting ejected in the postseason. So dumb. By the way, anybody see the Lakers last night? No, that I don't team think is anybody so did. close to hanging on mm-hmm. and getting over the hump. I mean, they beat the Lakers. There's a ticking noise in the background that's making me. Yeah, crazy. are you okay? Yeah, uh, the Lakers beat the Hornets last night, one twenty six, one twenty three. How about G time? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Gordon Hayward, by right? The way. Yeah, G time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snap Twig got twenty one point. Okay, Snap that's the, Twig. My bad. My bad. Twenty one point six rebounds, three dimes. Uh, how about Lamelo Ball last night? Forty two minutes, twenty five points, eleven assists, fifteen rebounds for a triple double. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Man, oh, he sucks. He'll never be anything. All right, we're running out of time here, man. Terry Rozier, twenty nine. But real quick, real quick, shut your face. 32 out of Anthony Davis, 17 out of Russell Westbrook on 5 of 15 shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a terrible shooter, and and I don't understand why. He sucks so bad. He's Like, you got all upset with oh. me two weeks ago when I said Westbrook. Like, he is Westbrook. Right. He can't shoot. But dude. he also gives you 17 points, 14 assists, and 12 boards. Great. But the efficiency has to go up. Well, LeBron right? LeBron didn't play. I would I would remind you of that. At some by the way. And you got twenty nine more out of Carmelo. They're lucky Carmelo's performing at that Seven level. Seven of ten from three. That's not luck. Carmelo is absolutely No, it's luck for the Lakers. It was it was it is it is a you can say it's not luck. Carmelo is nobody saw Carmelo doing this. Dude, he's lost weight. And he's changed his shot mechanics. I agree he's put in the work. I'm not trying to criticize Carmelo Anthony. What I'm saying is that is that nobody saw Carmelo Anthony performing at this level. Just like nobody saw yeah. the Broncos taking down the Cowboys. Nobody saw. Nobody sees these things coming. Screw the Cowboys. By the way, Austin Reeves continues to put out. Yeah. Suck it, Kyle Kuzma. All right, there you go. Um, let's rip HOAs now because I feel good about my life. Yeah. I just want to – okay, so <laughs> – <laughs> You know, I wanted a nicer back door. Right. No. <laughs> the Daybreak HOA is such a pain in the ass that we decided our back door, when we bought our house, we knew the house needed some improvements. We didn't realize the back door was falling off the hinges. <laughs> um, so we wanted to get a nicer back door and we didn't wind up doing it because we didn't want it to go through architectural design approval from the daybreak HOA. Mm-hmm. So we got the same old ass back door and we had our contractor put it in. Fantastic. Yeah. It actually closes correctly. They cut a dog door into it for us. Like, you know, Wayman brothers construction in all seriousness, if you need a contractor, Wayman brothers is fabulous. Yeah. Fire dude. Um, so they put in our back door, they cut in the dog door, did a great job. We had these leveler blinds on the back door. Yeah. They took them off the back door and put them on the new back door. Uh-huh. They retrimmed it, plumbed the door. Like, it looks awesome. And it is, can I not, t- I, like, if you do not value your doors in your house, 
try installing new doors and you quickly realize how important your new doors are to your life. Yeah. Because having a dog door on the back door, and I almost broke the cover taking it off this morning. I had no idea how to get it off. So I hit it with a hammer <laughs> and I actually cracked it, unfortunately. I didn't do that. Uh, but my wife just walked in, so she was going to lose her mind. But having a dog door makes life so much easier. Yeah. Like, it's it's amazing. You don't have to get up to let them out. It is. It's amazing. But I would just like to say, the Daybreak HOA blows. Like, it is so frustrating that you can't get them to call you back. But if you are one minute late on your HOA dues, like... They'll start sending you letters and we're going to take your house and your kids are ugly. And are we clear on that? Like they just, you know. Yeah. You know, like they're like, hey, you're late on your HOA dues. Why don't you try losing some weight? Like, I'm like, what is that? God, they didn't say that, actually. I've never been late on my dues. We had an issue with our escrow closing and somebody didn't pay somebody who didn't pay somebody. Um. So the HOA started sending us letters. We called them. Did they ever call us back? No. We called not. them again and again and again. And finally, Mrs. Monty got them on the phone. So get your facts straight. But hey, you know, we pay them like I'm talking about an ass load of money every month. I think we paid just short of $475 a month. Fat. Dude. Do they trim, do they trim the bushes in front of our house? Huh? Oh, we pay him just short of four hundred. Excuse me, dude. Still, that's oh, that's a lot. way better for for like for an HOA. That's a lot better. Okay, so we pay him four hundred dollars. Yeah, we'll call four hundred. Do they trim the bushes in front of our house? No, no, not until we call them repeatedly. Hey, you know these bushes. Hey, hey, uh, by, hey, by the way, hey man, the bushes out. Hey, hey yo, you gonna trim them bushes? And then we have to. Mrs. Monty goes out there and threatens people with physical harm if they don't. Yeah, yeah I know what time it is. If they don't trim the bushes, and then they call their supervisor, who calls the HOA, who then calls us. Who the, you know, I just want my bushes trimmed, man. <laughs> I'm paying you four hundred bucks. <laughs> Can you trim my bushes? I want it. No, they won't. Oh, you want to replace your back door? All right, talk to you in three months. Where's the Italian? You know, like it. it the, <laughs> It's amazing to me how bad HOAs are. Yeah, they don't care. They want your money, and that's it. And they're not willing to help you on any level. Yeah, with nothing. Yes, Jeremy Bolton. All all HOAs are ass vacuums. Yes, they yes, are. Yes, they are. Yes, Sprylark says all HOAs are the worst. They're pointless. I understand why you got to have an HOA, but if you're gonna charge me four hundred dollars a month, trim my bushes, prick. Yeah, like it's not that difficult, yes. man. Yes, I agree, a hundred percent, dude. And then one hundred percent. And then there's gym douche. Yeah. So Jake and I work out every day at, at lunch. Mm -hmm. And um, yesterday, gym douche got the best of Jake. Well, he benches more than you do. I doubt it. Uh, I doubt that. I doubt that. Um, so we're going to stretch because snowboarding and then two hours of basketball on Sunday into a shoulder workout on Monday was probably not bright. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> there's, two, there's two yoga balls in the... Turf area. In, in the turf area jake walks up to one and the guy's like he, jake's like are you using that and he's like yeah yeah i am yeah let's consult the douche meter and then he gets on there and does some trapezius orangutan looking bs you're a douche that has no value to your physical well-being that guy's definitely a douche and just walks around. you know he's that guy that just walks around the turf shaking his legs out you know like he's bouncing to his music 
And it's like, dude, who are you trying to impress? Are people myring? Right? Like, it was that was all that was he going through. Like, who douche, are you bro. trying to impress? Like, I just can't. I, I don't get guys who go into the gym for the vanity of it. I don't get it. Like, it's never been my thing. I don't get why it's a it's a point of pride for you to flip someone the bird who wants to use the exercise ball. And you literally came to the gym for like 15 minutes to use the exercise ball. And then you left. Like it just is. It's odd to me. It's weird to me. I would agree with that. Like, it's just a, it's silly. And then they're selling sunset. Mm hmm. Jake's new favorite show. I always enjoyed that show. I'm not a fan. I watched it because everybody watched it. And I kind of got into it. I didn't hate it, hate it. Like, I hate Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's way better than Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Like, I hate that show. Yeah. I hate that show. And yet, you know, we wind up watching it. So I can tolerate. I can tolerate Selling Sunset. But here's my question, I guess. Like, what are you watching on TV? I don't watch that much TV anymore. Like sports. That's our, it. Yeah. Our DVR is <laughs> like, full. And we sat down last night and we watched last week tonight with John Oliver. Honey. And we watched Chicago PD. Right. From last week. Right. Like I'm not even up to date on nine out of 10 things. Like I haven't watched gold rush in a month. Mm -hmm. I've got a bunch of gold rush sitting in the, in the DVR. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, what are, what are, what are we watching right now? Like, what are you watching on TV right now? I'm not even kidding. Sports. That's what I watch. I've got I've got like so I have the the basketball package, the hockey package. I've got the baseball pack. Like, I got all the sports packages outside of the Sunday ticket. And and I have the Sunday ticket. and you have the Sunday ticket. And so it's literally because think about it. I mean, now that time changed, I have an extra hour at night, which is nice. I enjoyed that last night, but it's it's pretty much just watching the jazz or whatever. I mean, that's basically what I watch. Yeah. That, that's pretty much it. And my wife hates basketball. So it's tough for me to, <laughs> I feel bad watching basketball games, but we generally, when we watch stuff, we we're, we're just not watching a lot of stuff on TV right now. It's weird. Like I can't think of a show that we regularly watch. Yeah. I chose not to get HBO for succession. I chose not to do it. So. That's also in my DVR succession. Yeah. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just think that there's not enough, there's not enough hours in the day. Uh, let me guess. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, let me guess. Is he the same guy, the gym douche who takes 10 dumbbells at a time and has a gallon jug? Of, he had a gallon jug of water. Yeah. He had a gallon jug of water and a bag and he had the bright ass beats headphones and, and he had the dress socks in tennis shoes mm -hmm. and he was soft. He wasn't cut. Like you're just, you're yeah. there for people to look at you. Yeah. Which is so funny considering you're not like cut or anything. Yeah. Uh, Fat Jesus says, of course you don't go to the gym for vanity. Why would what you? What are you trying to say, man? Why would you? Why are you calling me fat? Why are you calling me fat, man? Uh, Fat Jesus says Yellowstone. I'm Paramount. Everybody yeah, says everybody to watch, watch Yellowstone. That. I kind of want to watch that. That, that yeah, seems like a fun show. Me too. You should play the music because we got to go. Yeah. Mrs. Monty's crabby again. Really? Yeah. She's in a bad mood. She's upset. She She's upset she actually didn't knock me all the way off the bed last night. Got it. Got it. So. She's, she's, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. If she didn't realize she had, you know, she would have just, you know, probably would have knocked me off the bed. You know. What, wait, wait, I got, wait, what now? Lies.
These are all lies. No, they're not. Do you realize how much bad you left me to sleep on last night? This is what you guys are here know. for. No. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you realize how little bad I... We have a California king. You roll Marginal. all the way to the edge of your bed. Oh, no, it's, it's my fault. <laughs> you do. It's my fault. You have all kinds of room to come over. Marge and I were chilling on the end of the bed, right? And again, Marge is my... Facts. <laughs> my body pillow's name is Marge. Okay. And so Marge and I are just chilling on the, you know, cuddling together on the end of the bed. Right. Because Mrs. Monty is right behind us. Right. So Marge and I are sitting there talking about our day and, you know, how things went and, you know, spending quality time together. Right. And Mrs. Monty's like, no, you guys can just get off the bed. That's not what we're about. So, yeah, that's not. I'm kidding. Like, Mrs. Monty and I actually, like, curl up. So did she almost knock you off the bed? Yeah, I woke up at one point to go to the bathroom. Me and Nighttime P got chilled at 2 o'clock. And I was, Marge was on the floor, like, like, and kick a person you know. when he's down. And then I came back and she was all rolled up all the way on her side of the bed. Okay. So from like two fifty to four thirty, I was good to go. Got it. Okay. You know, but she also, when we went to bed, like covered me up with, he, with a weighted blanket, the weighted blanket when it's cold. Hell yeah. The weighted blankets where it's at. But when it's hot, you're not no, about it. No, man. No. Well, Hey, at least you're finding things out. Mrs. Monty, you have nothing to add? Yeah, well. Honey. I have work to do. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Good 10-second contribution to the show. Now play the music. Yeah, well, you were blessed with my presence. So that's all that matters. Okay. There you go. Okay. I was crabby when I went to bed last night, so I really shouldn't be saying. <clears throat> I hate that I have to go to bed so early. I hate it. Just... We went for a nice walk after work. Now that work's over at 530, we went for a nice walk yesterday. Good. Yeah, I just need to go to bed. She like said, it. get over it, dude. Yeah, two weeks and I'll be going to bed in Maui. Yeah, suck it. Go. All right, gotta go. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe on this channel right here. Give Bye. us a thumbs up. Bye. Bye. Hit subscribe. Enter to win the Xbox. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.